Well, welcome again to Faith Fighting and Football, but not particularly in that order. Uh, great to be joined again by Jay Astley, Peter Oden, Wingy, and our special guest again this week, Pastor Lance. Good to have you. Pastor Lance is a, a football referee. Uh, we've been trying to touch on some um, issues that matter and really matter to men in particular. And one of the things I want us to talk about today is uh, controlling our temper, our anger. One of the key things in professional sports, obviously, is anger management. So uh, I'll come to you first, Pastor Lance. Obviously, you've refereed a fair few games. Um, yep. When tempers start to flare, it's not a good thing, is it? <laughs> Do you know what? It, one of the things that, that you learn very, very quickly when you become a referee is when you've got 22 men on a pitch or 22 women on the pitch and um, tackles can fly in and little nudges and elbows start to, to happen. And having played as well, um, it, was, it, was, it was the case of you, you get frustrated very, very quickly. And um, I used to get frustrated with the referee. Once I became a referee, I understood what it was like for a referee and players get frustrated with you. But I always, one of the things that we learned in the early days was if, if you see something bubbling, try and get in there quickly and diffuse as quick as you can. Otherwise, you can end up with a mass confrontation. And I've seen a few of those in my time. Um, I've never, ever had to abandon a match in, at a high level of football. Um, but park football, there's, there's been two or three occasions where I've just blown the whistle and picked the ball up and thought, enough, because people have, have lost control. And that's what it is. It's, you, you can get angry, but there's getting angry and then there's losing control. And if you lose control, then all hell can break loose on a football pitch and you see fists and feet flying and all sorts happening. So, so yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where, where it, it comes with experience where you see a couple of players getting a bit niggly with each other and you, you, you keep your eyes sharp on them and you have a word in the ear and stuff. And hopefully uh, that works. If it doesn't, then you, you, you get your cards out couple of cards out and if that then doesn't work you ultimately know one of them's going to walk um so yeah I've seen that many times I, I, rem I remember doing a, a female match and two girls it was a situation where they were having a go at each other and stuff and eventually it went into a full-blown fight and they both got clumps of hair and they were hanging on and neither of them would let go in the end the managers from both teams had to come and separate them and of course, I had to just just send them off the pitch because they're, they're completely lost control. So there's a difference between being angry and losing control, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, Pete, I mean, you've played a lot of competitive football. And um, when you've got that competitive spirit, I guess it's very difficult sometimes not to get angry or to get wound up because your heart and soul is so much in wanting to win, wanting to do the best for your team. And that's where the struggle comes. Sometimes you can be right, but wrong all at the same time, can't you? Yes, yes. On my own personal experience, uh, losing my cool. But it um, most of the time, I will say, is when I was provoked. Because usually we strikers, when we uh, can hurt teams, the defenders, they try to play games. You know, they can be rude. They can say something, push you, step on your foot on purpose push you necessarily just before corner kicks, like just disrespectfully, because we are looking for a goal. We're not the ones that kick people, push people. We're not the ones that trying to, we're trying to create while people are trying to stop us. So I wasn't 
I was never an instigator. I'm like, uh, I, I, you know, I kind of was a type of person on the pitch is, you know, how you come, I give you the same thing. You know, if you want to come with like disrespect and that, that means I can lose self-control. If they are being wrong, I will play the game along with them, you know. So, but then, um, you know, as the people in faith, we have to sometimes, you know, self-control is very important so a lot of but few times of course you know we're humans and uh, i will react you know i've kicked out before in the past i told you already a few weeks ago that i've had red cards uh, retaliating so yeah that's um, part of uh, part of the game uh, well that's why we need good referees with good communication skills with good aura with uh, you know who sets boundaries you know uh, healthy boundaries where you know he understands that you know we can all because sometimes the referees they teach you a bigger lesson than uh, than you will learn you know they can come to you and just say something like you know this was they can say to you like you need to improve on this like this was a red card for instance this was and they give you a yellow instead and that kind of can go a long way for you because I think a lot of people struggle with temper and yesterday, a video came out from the PGA Tour, actually, about Tyrell Hatton. And uh, Eddie, then Eddie Pepperell, Henrik Stenson. It's a very relative, relevant uh, topic we're picking up today. And, uh, and uh, they were finding ways to do it. And they all built the video around Tyrell Hatton, who, like, uh, screams, who, like, says words. They keep finding him all the time. I think at the end of the day, if some people really have an issue with that, it comes to the willingness to repent from it and change. So, and uh, that's a process, you know, so um, some people struggle with it. It's like it's uh, in them. There's nothing they can do about it. Then they need attention. They need advice. They need to go through course courses like on anger management. So, um, but yeah, when it's a recurrent, recurrent, you get sent off, sent off, sent off. We know many players like, uh, uh, you know, who get sent off all, all the time. Uh, Rigobert Song. One African man was a strong defender, but uh, quite aggressive sometimes. He went over the top sometimes. So, um, yeah, if it becomes a pattern, then, you know, something has to be done with it. But, of course, it leads to lots of mistakes, suspensions that uh, players don't need to have. So the earlier you can tackle the issue, the better. Yeah. I'm just thinking about Jay now, really. Um, some people are just born angry, aren't they, Jay? Due to the circumstances of their upbringing, um, they're kind of angry and they want to lash out just because they, that's their way of protecting themselves. Yes, Pastor. Um, well, I didn't really have a father figure. The only thing I knew about my dad was just, he was a big guy. And if he said the wrong thing, looked at him the wrong way, he was getting beaten. You know, that's for men in the street, me. Um, he spent a lot of time in prison because he, he, he took a life, you know, with his hands. Um, so, yeah, um, I find it quite hard to talk about, but I'll, I'll, what you probably call an abuse child, um, physically, as in, all I was learned was to lose my temper and get my own back. You know, it was until later in age that I met my wife, Jesus found me, a wretch, a bad-tempered man. Um, I was bad tempered with my wife before. I met my wife will tell you, she'll tell anybody, you know, that she knew I was going to change from being a really bad tempered person, working with the old angels and whatever. And she always knew I was going to change, but she never knew this much. <laughs> I never knew I was going to change to be. Now I'm the person who keeps the peace. I, I, I'm the guy 
now walking to arenas and sports arenas and mostly boxing arenas. You know, you, I don't know, you, you probably see me on the back of the paper or on TV, spitting box up for fighting. Um, the skill that I've got in my job, that Jesus turned me around and gave me that skill, is all I look for is myself. So I look for my old self and then I nip in the bud, I stop it, I stop that anger happening. It's like Pastor Lance was saying, you know, there's a difference between being angry and losing control. So if you can see somebody angry and, and, and speak to them and nip it in the mm -hmm. bud, mm -hmm. it stops the loss of control. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's, I'm, as, you, as you well know, I'm quite famous for being a bodyguard at boxing events, the top, top boxers in the world. And what I look for is my old self. This is what Jesus does. Jesus transformed me. Yeah. You know, Jesus transformed me, but then I still remember my old self because that's what I look for. And doing that, Jesus gave me an unbelievable, fantastic job where I can say to people, when they say, if somebody shows to me, you don't know why I'm mad. You yeah. don't know why I'm angry. I say, well, yeah, I do. I do. I've been there, mate. I've sorted myself out. So I've sort myself out. You can sort yourself out. You know, mm. but yet with me, not my anger and my transgressions and spending time in prison and lashing out at referees and all mm. that kind of stuff that happened over a period of years was all mm. to do with uh, having a good role model in my life. Mm. You know, and the biggest respect I can show you, Pastor, is a role model you have to your children, to your mm. boys. Fantastic. Any, any, any guys watching this now and dads, and you're a role model to your boys and your mm. girls. Mm. Our boxing gym is full of girls as well. Yeah, mm. when it's open, it's be a role model. You know, explain to your kids you're going to get angry, mm. but don't lose control. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's basically really our, our lessons for being an angry individual. Mm. And now I can spot the angry, angry individual because I used to be that person, but it's Jesus who took my life, mm. turned it around from being a wreck to being the man I am today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I was I was doing a little bit of study before I came on to our recording this afternoon, just uh, from from the next couple of sessions of preaching, and one of the things it talks about is uh, one of the patriarchs in, in Hebrews blessing his sons. Um, you know what? We need to speak uh, good words over people, don't we? You know, Amen. you know, the Bible tells us to bless and not to curse. Um, and Peter, I know this is the same with your your heart as a father, and you love to say good things over your kids because that's mm. what makes the difference. Oh, yes, yes. Um, actually, I'm surprised you picked on this because I was just before when we started talking, I was thinking about my kids as uh, as um, Jay was talking. And I don't remember the last time I had to smack any of them, you know, like, OK, a little smack, but at least still that we have none of that at all. But, you know, I grew up in Africa, Nigeria. My mom is Russian. So it was part of our culture. You know, there's no. Uh, brats, you know, you don't, you don't have brats. <laughs> Hardly have brats, you know? <laughs> because they will put you right on the spot. There, you know, it's part of, in Nigeria. It's like that, you know. Respect elders. Don't talk back at your older brothers, at your parents. It's like norm. There's no discussion at that. And you know, if you do that, and people see it as norm when they discipline you, you know, and it goes all the way to having a nice, we call it koboko, like a cane. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you grew up, you know, big families, you know, there is discipline, all that. So, so sometimes, you know, when, but I only like uh, do that when they hurt each other. I notice that, 
it's when I want to protect them. Like I can, like if one, like when my son started walking, the other one, I don't know, he was jealous for some reason. He used to come to his back and push him. Like, you know, the other one was just learning. So he got a few smacks. Then uh, it's only when they hurt each other. I noticed that. But now, you know, we promote love. You know, words are so powerful. They can change people. So now all I do is encourage them. I said, can't you? And my daughter, she she's like a bit jealous, like my daddy thing, you know. <laughs> she won't let them near me. She will, she will sit like she will pinch them, bite them as small as she is. My daddy, it was like this fight. So she was hurting them a lot. But I was so amazed that my two boys, being bigger and stronger, they, they always defend her after I tell her off. And I noticed like they just love her and that's natural. So I started encouraging her to see how much the brothers love her and they mm -hmm. take from her. But at mm -hmm. the same time, I don't want her to think she can do that to all bigger boys because if she will be <laughs> in the streets, she will do that. Not everybody love her the way her brothers do. So I always promote this fact. I say, hey, Sophia, see how your brothers, they love you so much. They take care of you. They, so a lot of encouragement there. And we don't even have, we barely have that. You know, they have these cute arguments and they kind of even enjoy them. Uh, the brothers see where it's heading to and they just play, you know. Mm -hmm. So for months now we've had this. But the key is, you know, is uh, speaking good words, encouraging them, like building them up in a, you know, in a, in a way where they uh, they kind of make the judgment of what they do, and they just uh, they change, you know. Encouragement is so is the right words, of course. Yeah, we've got to speak faith words over our kids and over our grandkids and and over our churches as well. That's 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 important, isn't it? And you know, I'll add maybe just because what you said, I'll just add now. We started praying together. So it's really a cute moment. So whenever we're about to go to bed, we pray. And I want them to mention things they were happy about during the day. And a lot of it is just every prayer. I thank you for my the daughter, goes for my brothers, for my mommy, for my dad. <laughs> so, so, you know, we thank each other for, you know, for a good day. And she mentions people when they behaved well to her. So it's important as well to like to build that, to build that up. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, you know, Jesus is our supreme role model. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus got angry. You know, he was a real man. Uh, and in, in, in that temple, when he saw things being done in the wrong way, he got really, really upset on the inside and it caused him to, to lash out. So sometimes let's not beat ourselves up for being angry. I think, Lance, it's about anger management, isn't it? Especially mm -hmm. on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think a couple of things that the guys have said that they're talking about... Um, their experiences and what, what's happened to them. And one of the things that I've learned over the years, because I've mentored many um, young teenage boys in schools who uh, the schools have asked me to, to do sessions with, and there's a common denominator in all this. And, and one of, one of, the, one of um, Jay's already mentioned it, it's fatherlessness. And um, uh, my dad left when I was about seven, eight years old. And I didn't realise how angry I was until after he'd gone and I started to get in trouble at school. So I was one of those kids as well who would lash out, who'd lose my temper very, very quickly. Um, and, and, you know, you end up with a reputation around the school as somebody who can throw his fists about. But as I got older, I started to realise and understand about myself and who I am and, and, and you know, moving fast forward into the studies that I've done. Anger is always... Um, is always connected to past hurts, past pains, 
stuff. And once we allow God to, to deal with those past pains and those past hurts, mm. and we don't just lock them away in a room in, in, in our subconscious, when we allow God to deal with these things, that's when the healing process begins. And the people, the people that you're angry with um, in the present are often not the people you're really angry with. You're angry yeah. with in the past. Mm. So when we allow God to start to deal with that and to transform the way we think, because that's massively important as well, and we allow God to deal with our hearts, that's when we lash out less. That's when we lose our tempers less. That's when our, our anger levels start to drop because everybody's got a tolerance level. And this is going back to the football. Everyone's got a tolerance level. Everybody has. Even referees have a tolerance level. So there were certain refs who would jump all over you, the slightest little bit of dissent. And then there's other refs who will try and talk with you and, and talk it through with you. And then, obviously, if you're not listening then, then you pay the price. But um, I believe God's a healer. And, and yeah, you mentioned, mentioned um, Jesus um, getting angry in the temple and... There's often this picture painted in the West of Jesus as the gentle Jesus being mild, which he was. But like you said, Steve, he was a man. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, he looked at the culture of the day and he took on the culture head on and dealt with the culture. You know, so he, there is justified anger. For instance, I used to work in child sexual exploitation. And some of the things that I used to read as I was reading them, I'd get angry. That's For me, that's righteous anger for, for what people have done to others. Yeah which is wrong. So like you said, we shouldn't beat ourselves up uh, sometimes when we certain things make us really angry. I think that's yeah. a really valid point you make, Lance, is that sometimes it's the hurt of the past that drives the current. And I, I know Jay would absolutely agree with that. So perhaps some of the hurt from childhood, when you got to be doing what you were doing um, to some of the other guys, that was just an odd spill of really what had happened in the past, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, you kind of, you kind of become, become used to being hurt mm. and hurt don't matter anymore. You know, I've said to a lot of people, I speak to now, and a lot of gang members and stuff I speak to and try to help them get away from that kind of thing. Is, you know, is trying, because you don't focus on the pain, you focus on not being loved. When somebody hurts you, it's the fact that they don't like you, they don't love you. The bruise will go away, the lump will go away, but the pain of not being loved, the mm -hmm. pain of not being accepted, mm -hmm. the pain of not, not having an arm around you is very, very painful. And then you can make a choice then. You know, I, I really want to emphasize this to anybody who's watching this, because there will be people watching this who are um, 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 suffering what I, what I suffered, is repentance, saying sorry, and forgiving people is the hardest thing you will ever, ever do. Mm. Harder than any training session, harder than any, any football game, any rugby game, boxing match is harder. I find it so difficult. It's only, I was probably seven, seven years into knowing Jesus before I actually forgive my dad. Mm. There was somebody in our church who, who learned to John and John. Who, who, who learnt me about forgiving somebody and forgiving people is about sometimes you building a relationship back up again, which mm. will take time. And that's not happening for me yet. But I forgive my dad. Mm. I forgive him. Mm. I forgive him for everything he done to me. I forgive him for everything he tried to learn me. Mm. And what, what, what Jesus has done for me is there's a song by Jesus called, called Break Every Chain. And what Jesus has done for me is broke the chains. 
mm-hmm. changes to hold me, just to bind me. Of, oh, Joe, what do you think you're doing? Bang. Now, not it's not that anymore. It's like, whoa, 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 calm down, man. Let's talk about this first and foremost, you know? So, I really want to emphasize to anybody who's suffering with anger mm. from a child or from a previous relationship, from an ex marriage or anything, or from the gym or from work. Work's a big one when you don't get on with everybody. You've got to forgive them. Don't be saying to them, you've got to do something to make me feel better. No. You forgive them and love them if you can. That's very, very difficult. And it will stop. I am living proof that forgiving somebody works and truly breaking that chain and not passing it on. You know, I've got an adoptive daughter and all the nephews and nieces all love me, Uncle Jay. They all love Uncle Jay. They, they will never see me do what my dad mm. did. So you break the chain. So that's what I'd like to say. But if you're suffering with this, break the chain. Mm. Find some strength. Find some courage. Say your sorries. Repent. Get on your knees and pray to Jesus. Cry. Scream. Do what you've got to do. God will hear you. And he'll help you. And he'll put his arm around you. Mm. Repent. Say sorry. And forgive the person who hurt you. And if you can, rebuild that relationship. Mm. If you can. That's a biggie. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, for me, repentance, saying sorry, and forgiving are massive in the Christian world, massive in the normal world. If you're not a Christian, I'm telling you, you forgive somebody. Yeah, can I take over? I'm led by the Spirit. I opened the verse, Philippians 2, 3, 13, sorry, that says, uh, for it is God who works in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And just listening to Jay, you know, the scripture first came to my mind that, you know, the judgment begins in the house of God. So if, if we that are already walking after, you know, our Savior and his ways still struggle to forgive, more or less, you know, people who don't know what has been done for us on the cross, you know, and this is when, you know, it's, it becomes easier to forgive. It doesn't become completely easy. It becomes easier because you start looking at yourself and how far God has brought you till date. And even as God is trying to cleanse you, wash you, change you, you are still struggling. That's mm-hmm. why we have to use the put on the eyes of, you know, uh, compassion towards everyone we're working and the work, this work that we're doing today, this is actually all about it because as the scripture says, it's God that's working in us both to will and to do, because you can't do it without Jesus. We, even with the Lord, whose message is all about forgiveness, upon all of that, we still struggle. We are living rapture ready. We're looking up, you know, waiting for the Lord's coming. And even with that, we still struggle. That means, you know, the word needs to be preached and, you know, and uh, that's why we, it is our job to lead people to Jesus, because... And as we are saying that, even with that, we are still struggling. How, you know, how will normal people who, who don't have the concept of like forgiving, moving on, because uh, what's given to you freely, you have to also give freely. And, you know, it's a uh, salvation. It's, it's not of works. Like we are trying our best, but we still fail. You know, as Jay says, sometimes he goes into work now. Sometimes people provoke him still. Yeah. And, you know, you will let go and. People should understand that you just overcome every struggle overnight. But your willingness to 
to, you know, it's already uh, the, the big thing. And actually, when we started talking, I said it comes down to the will, willingness to change. Mm. Because if you keep repeating something, like, like you are a footballer, you keep, you know, lashing out at players, at, at the referee, there is only so much you will do it. And one day you will be like, I think it's enough now. I don't even enjoy it. I think this is so sad. And all of a sudden, that moment of, you know, at that moment where God just liberates you from this and you don't want to do it anymore. And when you do it next time, you're like, this is not me anymore. And I think, you know, first of all, is the willingness to change. And after that, you know, it flows. That's why, uh, but without the spirit of God, we can't do it. You know, sometimes even when you reduce your prayer life, you just notice how much different you are when you are praying, when you worship, because that's how the spirit of God is like the spirit not by any other thing, by the Spirit of God. So the, His Word is the Spirit. So we have to meditate, pray, and uh, study, study Jesus, you know, to know how He did it. He was always in prayer. A few days ago, I was uh, listening to sermons, and they're like, you know, if Jesus prayed all the time, like, He being perfect, like, He was perfect, and He still lost it once, and He was always going away to the mountains or to the, whatever he, he had to go to pray. So I think that's, you know, that's the key to all of this. If you're struggling with something, you have to spend time, you know, trying to know more about Jesus, more about the word and, you know, and uh, the spirit field. Because as I said, even as, as much as we, you know, we, uh, we confess, you know, and uh, profess our faith, we still, we still struggle. So it's a daily thing. It's a renewal, renewal, because somebody just triggers something. I can walk out now. Somebody, you know, says, says something racist. I'm not sure I might, I might just, uh, you know, go back at it. But if you think constantly, if you're always like having the sounds in your mind, if you think positive all the time, scripture, you know, be merciful. God is merciful to those who are merciful. So you walk like that in a crowd where you feel you're going to be provoked. Like now, if I go to a place like a restaurant or something, you know, I will have this mindset where I see like, uh, you know, gangsters, bad boys. I'll be walking there and I'll be saying inside my mind, you know, God is merciful to those who show mercy. Mm. So just walk with that thought in your mind and, you know, try not to let anybody, you know, pull you out of uh, mm. the place where you really want to be. So mm. we're going to continue preaching because without God, we are absolutely, absolutely. You, uh, weak, weak, weak. Mm. Yeah, you know, you hear you hear the voice of Jesus from the cross, don't you? Father, forgive them, because they know not what they do. You know, our, our greatest example is is our wonderful Jesus. He was a real man. He wasn't kind of a made up man. He was a real ga Galilean, you know, carpenter. He, he knew what it was to you know to uh, have his trials and his tribulations. But you know, he never put a step step wrong, and yet he took our sin to the cross. Um, Last couple of weeks, uh, Jay and uh, and Pete have both really shared a little bit of how they came to Christ. So, just in closing, Pastor Lance, would you? Obviously, you told us about your childhood and how things were difficult for you. Just tell us how you how you came to find Christ, and then would you just pray for those that just really need Jesus right now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we we were brought up on a um, one of the few black families in a very white working class area over West Bromwich. And um, we, it was a done thing for us to go to uh, the Methodist church on a hilltop uh, on Sunday mornings. And it got to the stage where I, I just didn't want to go anymore. And, um, but even from a young age, I was questioning my existence. 
So I remember saying to my mum once and my brother when I was a kid, why are we here? What's the point of existing? What's life all about? What happens when we die? And those are what we all know as existential questions, which I believe every single human being will ask, um, you know, why are we here? What happens when we die? What's our existence all about? And I, my thinking was, if we're born to, to live and to die, and that's it, then life's a complete waste of time. So even though I wasn't a Christian, we went to church. And then when we moved to Walsall in 1980, I, I got invited to, to go to a Pentecostal church. I'd never been to one before, because uh, the Methodist church where I went, it was mostly pensioners. And it was him 125, him 126, so on and so forth. But I remember going to this Pentecostal church and looking at the folk and thinking that they've lost their minds because they were clapping. People were raising <laughs> hands, people speaking in strange languages and stuff. And I just found it a bit very, very bizarre, to be honest. And I, and I, I remember finishing that meeting and thinking, I'm not going back to that nut house. Um, but, but, but something was happening in my heart, which I didn't know. And something was, a, a transformation was taking place in my mind. And I was drawn to go back. And what I used to do, I used to go there and I used to sit at the back. I used to quietly open up a Mars bar and, and munch on that at the back of the church. Then I got invited to go to um, a youth camp. Again, I'd never been on anything like that before. They said there was going to be sports and activities and stuff. And that was the hook for me. So I went along to that and then um, listened to the preaching and stuff. And all the questions, that I, the existential questions that I was asking when I was a a small boy, about seven, eight, nine years old, they started to get answered one by one by one. And it's almost, yeah. I felt like God has set me up because yeah. I remember saying this to God, I remember saying before it's bed the one night, okay, if you are real, then you've got to prove it to me. And I remember we were playing sports one day and I went back to the, to the dorm on my own and I lifted up my top off the bed and there was a tract on there and it was, it, it was about... Um, finding Christ and the Christian faith. And I asked everybody who put that track there, everybody's saying, not me. And I'm not saying an angel did it or anything like that. It's, besides that, it was there. I read it through. It ticked all the boxes. It made sense. I realized why I'm here on the earth, why I exist. I understood what repentance was, transformation. I understood that um, what happens when we die uh, in Christ. And, and that gave me that comfort of knowing that the very questions that I was searching for for all of my childhood life going into my teen years was answered so um I think it was the 10th of um August yeah about the 10th of August 1982 because I remember it well uh, I gave my life to Jesus I was one of the ones who got up and got out my seat went forward uh, prayed a prayer and I just felt completely different you know in my heart I just knew that God had entered my heart. And that's what happens when we confess with our mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord. He comes into our hearts and transforms. So anybody out there listening, what I always say to people, especially atheists, but do the digging and do the research yourself and, and, and say to God, if you are real, then prove yourself to me. And I believe God always proves himself. He always sets us up to find out more about his love that father's love that the whole world really is seeking. And, you know, there's, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that says, Christ has put eternity in our hearts. So what God has done is deposited something within every single human being that makes them crave 
after relationship with Father. So if you're listening out there, he's waiting, his arms are open, and he's ready to embrace. No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, mm. Jay's used the term that I'm a wretch. We're all wretches. Every one of us on here are wretches before God. But the difference is these wretches, God has forgiven and come into our hearts and lives. And that is a marvellous thing. So if you're listening, you've just heard the gospel this uh, this afternoon from all Amen. of us. Amen. 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 I'm going to pray. I'm gonna Bless pray. the Lord. Bless the Lord. Thanks, Lord. Father God, I thank you for, for Jay and for Pastor Steve and for Peter today. And Lord, we're just men who love Jesus. Lord, that there's nothing uh, uh, namby-pamby or sissy about that to say that we love Jesus and we love the Lord and we love the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. who transforms us and changes us into the very beings that you wanted us to be. Because we're all fallen. We all fall short of your glory. But thank you that we can come to you this day and we can say with all confidence mm -hmm. and with faith that we know we will see you one day and we will have bodies that will be incorruptible. We'll have bodies that will not decay and die. But we'll have bodies that will be eternal bodies. And we will be in your kingdom with you for all eternity. So, Father, I pray for us and I pray for anyone who will watch this, Lord, on YouTube or whatever medium it goes out on. That, Father God, they won't dismiss. But, Lord God and Father, they will reach out to Father. Yeah. And and discover the truth about who you are. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And one more thought for you guys before you go. What Lance said there is the Lord deposits something in our heart, and that's called his spirit. He made our spirit with his merges, and God is eternal. So once you are with him, there is no such thing as temporal. So that deposition is his word. His spirit is in Absolutely. your heart and it cannot be quenched. Okay. Amen. Let's Amen, hold Pete. fast Amen. to that word. Yeah. Amen, Amen Pete. I could I just, just thank you guys for not mentioning the Wolves score at all. You've been really gracious. <laughs> so, like, boing, boing, I thought boing. I thought he might get brought up, but oh, yeah, yes, so, yeah, I, but I don't I just, You just reminded me, our first time we had nothing to give. You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough for that, Odin. You get yourself back to wherever you've come from. <laughs> All right, now, now, listen, there's a load of, there's a load of people in your temper, mate. There are loads and loads of people been ringing me and, and saying they've been watching this stuff, and it's been really, really um, fantastic as to what God's been doing. So, um, thank you all again this afternoon uh, for your time and your effort, and uh, we're gonna see you soon. But keep on searching God. If you don't know God, just keep on seeking him. Get hold of a Bible. Start reading some of the Gospels. Start a John's Gospel. Start reading it. If you want us, reach out for us and we'll pray for you. But have a great, great week. And we'll see you this time next week. Bless you.